0: job finally admits who he really is to god this is a fascinating study today good morning good afternoon good evening my name is rod Hembry. and i'm james and in five minutes we're going to talk about job 42 a really interesting passage as it concludes now corey and ryan are here and ryan what are you doing
1: all right well yesterday we explored some ideas regarding the identity of behemoth in job chapter 40 and so today we're going to try to do the same with another mammoth monster known as Leviathan in Job chapter 41. Corey?
2: Well, today we're switching things up a little bit, and Mom and I are joining our segments together because we want to open up a bit of a discussion uh, at the end of the show to talk about, you know, the end of Job. There's lots of stuff going on, so we're going to discuss it. Change
0: All right. It
3: up. We are Yeah. it up.
0: Very good. Look forward to that. Get your Bible guide out. And let's uh, open up the Bible, the best-selling book in the world. Let's listen to what God says to us.
3: Job 42, 1 through 10. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, Who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And so it was, after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is aroused against you and your two friends, For you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now therefore take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams, go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you. For I will accept him, lest I deal with you according to your folly. Because you have not spoken of me what is right, As my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite, and Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Naamathite went, and did as the Lord commanded them, for the Lord had accepted Job. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Job chapter 42. Verses 1 through 10.
0: Job chapter 40, chapter 41 and chapter 42. We finished Job today. This is a fascinating study in the book of Job. It is a great book. That's what I believe. And I love it. God has purpose in everything. He does and everything we go through in our life has purpose. Job ended up with a very dramatic and astounding testimony about God's unfathomable power and goodness. Satan was also proven to be a liar. Job was a man committed to the Lord, no matter what happened. Job says, though he may slay me, yet I will trust him. That's Job chapter 13, verse 15. And early into his suffering, he says, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's in Job chapter one, verse 21. Job was a remarkably humble man with amazing strength and fortitude. He was steadfast through his trial of suffering, even when he was troubled and confused. His story is one that we should pay attention to. He had wealth and respect and then suffering and humiliation and then humbleness and vindication. At that time, in God's perfect time, the Lord stepped in and he finished the story. That's exactly what we're going to read today. The finishing of the story of Job. Take your Bible guide and turn to the passage today as we read from Job chapter 42. This is a good one. And Father, I pray today. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Father. Help us to hear what you're saying, because this is important. Job's going to have some specific instructions. We're going to hear what Job says back to you. But help us, Lord, in Jesus' name, to understand the Bible and what it says. Because, Father, we too have times of suffering, not like Job, but we have times when we doubt you. And help us, Lord, to gain the strength, because you put this in your word. Help us to d- discipline ourselves to be able to read it. To understand it in the name of Jesus Christ. And we all said together, amen, make it so. Amen. That's what amen means. Make it so. Very interesting. Now, let's take a look at this because this is fascinating. Job chapter 42, verses one through six. Here is what the Bible says. Then Job answered the Lord. This is after God spoke to him with all those questions. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You ask, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you and you shall answer me. I have heard you. By the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. That is amazing. Job admits who he really is to God. He tells the truth to God. And I think that's one of the reasons the Lord tested him. The Lord requires honesty when we come to him. How many people do you know who are not really honest with the Lord? They come to God and they say, well, Lord, yeah, I'd like to be in your kingdom. And, you know, I can do this, 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 and this. And by the way, you you should be happy to have me. What? That's not coming to God. Coming to God is recognizing who you are. Lord, I'm a sinner. I need help. I'm going to fail without you. You're the only one. And I mean, only one who can help me. That's very important for us to understand. And that's what Job did. That's what he said. He told the truth in this circumstance. Beloved, let's hear this. And let's understand that when we pray, God desires us to be honest and tell him the truth. And if our faith is weak, let's tell him that. Lord, my faith is weak. Forgive my unbelief. And when we pray that God is okay. I'll forgive your unbelief. I'll help you. See, that's the idea. We don't need to conjure up some kind of uh, self-styled fortitude in us and come up with some kind of faith doctrine. We need to understand that we are weak. He is strong. Get it. Let's go back to the scripture, Job 42, verse 7. And so it was after the Lord had spoken these words to Job that the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, my wrath is a rout against you and your two friends. For you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Now, therefore, take yourself seven bulls and seven rams. Go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you. I will accept him lest I deal with you according to your folly, because you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. You know, this is interesting because Eliphaz learns that he and his two friends are destined for destruction because they had not spoken rightly about God as Job had. You see, only Job could pray for them and spare their life. Beloved, this is really important. There are times when people are arrogant and they make us look small and all of that. But we know that our position is before the Lord. We understand that we are humble before God because God is so much greater than we are. And when we fall before God, he lifts us up. Remember that when James tells us when we fall before God, God lifts us up. I want to be lifted up by God. What about you? Do you want to be lifted up by God? I do. Very important. We need to keep that in our heart and keep that in our mind. Now let's go on to 9 and 10, verse 42, or chapter 42. So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Namathite went and did as the Lord commanded them. For the Lord had accepted Job. Hmm, that's interesting. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. He prayed for them, and indeed the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. He restored Job. God rewarded Job with twice as much as he had lost. Heaven is about gain, not about loss. Now, it's important to remember that he lost sons and daughters. They're in heaven with God. And God gives him not double of what he had because his sons and daughters already in heaven. Keep that in mind. We don't have time to talk about that here, but I'll do a sermon on that sometime. It is very important for us to understand that if we get ourselves right before God and we serve him and we listen to the calling that he's called us with and we do it his way, not our way, that is the best thing in the world to do and to be. My status is not about my money or not about my place or not about my position or not about my papers. My status is dependent totally and completely upon who I am in front of the Lord. And here's what it is. I am a sinner saved by the grace and the power of Jesus Christ, my wonderful Lord and Savior. And we said together, amen. But a lie is when somebody tells you, I know how you'll be happy. You buy this hairspray and you're gonna be happy. You smell like this flower, you're gonna be happy. You take this drug, you're gonna be happy. You buy this car, you're gonna be happy. See, it all tells me I'm gonna be happy. No, I'm not. That's not how this works. The truth is that I am not happy until I find the purpose of why I exist. My purpose for living.
1: Welcome back to the program. Today we finish up the incredible book of Job, and I just love these closing chapters. I mean, chapter 40 is so fascinating because it describes the massive beast called Behemoth, and chapter 41 is just as exciting because it refers to another mammoth monster known as Leviathan. Well, on yesterday's program, we attempted to identify Behemoth, and today, in continuation of that, we're going to do the same thing with Leviathan. So, let's go. While the Book of Job is categorized as a book of poetry, Job chapter 41 vividly describes in scary detail a monumental monster of the sea known as Leviathan. If this Leviathan is indeed a real creature, as the text seems to indicate, and as I firmly believe, then it's worth exploring the fossil record for some possibilities. Based upon such a description, some believe that some of the now-extinct marine reptiles, such as Chronosaurus, Mosasaurus, Shaunosaurus, or Styxosaurus, would make good candidates. The sizes of their body and their bite certainly make them worthy possibilities. Indeed, these mammoth sea monsters ranged in size from 30 to 50 feet in length, weighed up to 10 tons, and all sported massive jaws and teeth. There is, however, one detail regarding Leviathan, which doesn't seem to fit the behavior of such sea dwellers. Job 4130 tells us that this animal often left a trail in the mud, like a threshing sledge. It's hard to imagine a sea-dwelling creature spending time in the mud, and this may be one of the reasons why many commentators identify Leviathan with the common crocodile. Not only do these semi-aquatic reptiles like to spend time in the mud, but the scales on their backs could rightly be described as rows of shields. However, while they do make for difficult hunting, they are nevertheless successfully caught on a daily basis. But God makes it absolutely clear that Leviathan was uncatchable. But all may not be lost. Discovered in 1964 in the Sahara Desert was a fossil of a colossal crocodile which they dubbed Sarcosuchus, meaning flesh-eating crocodile. This super croc was as long as a school bus and when alive would have weighed up to 8 tons. This is twice as large as the largest croc's living today, which certainly puts it in a vastly different league. As with Leviathan, its six-foot-long mouth was also ringed about with fearsome teeth, more than 100 in fact, which one researcher described as railroad spikes. And the scoots, or scales of this killer croc, were each about a foot long, closely overlapping one another, just like Leviathan's rows of shields tightly sealed together. Another fascinating feature is a round bony protrusion in the tip of its snout, which housed a large bowl-shaped cavity called a bulla. Scientists aren't sure what function it served, but could it have had something to do with the production of smoke and fire? Is the description of Leviathan as a fire breather merely poetic? One thing we do know from the bombardier beetle, which can ignite a lethal chemical spray up to 100 degrees Celsius, is that such a feature is biologically possible. So is Sarcosuchus the dreaded Leviathan? God only knows. So this gigantic fossil crocodile was found in the Sahara Desert of all places. Now, of course, it's been known for quite some time that the deserts of the world were once well watered and full of life. I mean, even satellite imaging has shown that water once flowed through these very, very dry places. The world is definitely a very different place today than it was in Job's day. As a matter of fact, as I mentioned on the program a few days ago, some scientists and scholars believe that Job lived during the Ice Age, which is thought to have been triggered by the Flood, of course. Now, some of the world would have been very icy, while other parts of the world, where Job lived, for example, would be very warm. And I don't have time to go into detail about that here, but if you are interested in this subject, then please do check out the writings and research of scientist Michael Ord. He's an expert on weather and the ice age, and as a matter of fact, I interviewed him, as well as five other scientists and researchers on the DVD set called A World by Design, The Muskoka Conference. So if you don't have it, then I highly recommend that resource. You can also find today's segment and yesterday's segment along with other videos on my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Ryan Hembry
0: you know it's interesting because as you begin to, to look at this the the scientists in the world they say well there was an asteroid that hit the planet wiped out the dinosaurs and then 2 million years later you know suddenly the neanderthal appeared and they've got this long uh, uh, construction of destruction after destruction after destruction mm-hmm, yeah. but when you put everything in the context of the flood happened that makes a lot of sense. It
1: does, and when you don't believe that, when you reject the early history in the Bible, then you have to come up with other ways for these things to happen. So, so that's how scientists will come up with with those scenarios. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just very, very interesting.
0: And the recent discovery of the bones uh, from a T. Rex, which had soft tissue in it. Yeah. And that threw everything off. And the scientist said, "I," she said, "I, I don't know what this means." Mm-hmm. And she still says, "I don't." know what this means. Well, you know, personally, I, I would suggest that it simply means that they're still around or they were still around recently. recently. Yeah. And so that's very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Ryan. Corey?
2: All right. I want to have a discussion today. I want to open this up to the table because let's talk about the end of Job first to kind of set up our discussion question. Okay. So in in many ways, the book of Job is ultimately about humanity's relationship with god you know we we see ourselves in job as a whole you know god allows us to be tested he allows us to suffer and and a lot of times we think we know who god is but the truth is he's the creator of the universe and there's some of his ways that we're just never going to fully understand. And we may never really know why some suffering happens to us, why some testing happens to us. He's so much bigger than us. And, and so there's some plans that we're not privy to. We just don't understand, but we can get to know God more and more. Right. Uh, and Job comes out. Okay. At the end of the book of Job, he he comes out. Okay. He comes out on top. Uh, even though he questions God, even though he makes wrong assumptions about God, Job never curses God. And so I think that's why he he comes out okay. He doesn't curse God, which was the original test in the beginning of the book, remember? Ultimately, God corrects him and then life moves on for Job. But my question is, how do we as Christians deal with loss How do we deal with suffering or even the idea of that, even the potential of loss and suffering? Because we're not guaranteed an outcome like Job. We're not promised that we'll go through a season of suffering and then all of a sudden we're going to be economically wealthy or we're going to have more kids or we're going to, that's not guaranteed. Surely there have been many Christians throughout the years whose lives have ended very tragically. So I put that out there for you guys. How, as Christians, do we deal with loss and suffering and even that idea of potential loss and suffering? What do you guys think? I know it's a loaded, it's heavy, but we're at the end of Job and Job was heavy. Mm -hmm. Job was heavy. How do we deal with loss and suffering as Christians?
3: I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because we probably all four of us have different answers because each one of us deal with loss
2: and mm. grief
3: in different ways. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love God so much is that he knows my heart and he knows the things that I have to work through personally and and um, especially with loss. Mm. And I know that, you know, we have many viewers. I read I read letters, I read your mail, and we pray for you. And a lot of people go through a lot of loss. And it's interesting how that, the different ways that people handle it. And I think, um, as I said before, I'm very thankful to God that He looks upon our hearts and He is willing when we come to Him. Sometimes that's very difficult to do in very deep and trying times. It's very difficult to make yourself even more vulnerable Mm -hmm. because in those times, right, when we go through loss, when we go through grief, when we go through these, when we're in pain, we already feel very vulnerable. So I think then having to be even more vulnerable to God by opening up and letting him be a part of that situation uh, can be very difficult. Mm -hmm. And we know that as believers, we also have others that are watching us. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, Mm -hmm. Job was very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And when he was going through all this loss, his friends came to comfort him. He didn't ask them to come, they came to comfort him. Mm -hmm. And yet they, and then they were overwhelmed. And so I I, I know I'm kind of taking it in a different direction at this moment, but I think for those men too, Job didn't ask for anybody to be around. He mm-hmm. separated himself and he was sitting wondering what was going on and ashes and lamenting. Even his wife handled it differently. Mm-hmm. And here are his friends handling it differently. So I think, you know, we can, we can see right away that it is a very personal thing. Mm-hmm. Something that, and as a believer, thank God that we can come to him. Yes, in these times and be vulnerable to him. Now, I don't know mm-hmm. if anybody wants to add on to that. I did not right really in. answer your question at all. Um, you
0: got three yeah. minutes and twenty six <laughs> seconds. Yeah. So. No.
1: I just. I. Yeah. I think um, we get caught up in our lives here, and that's normal. It's normal because we're here and we're now. But the truth is, is life goes on beyond this world, mm-hmm. and it's hard for us to understand that now. Yeah. But when when Christians suffer and and even when they die, horribly that's not the end. Mm. In fact, it's, it's the beginning in a sense. Yeah. And I think Paul's word in, Paul's words in 2 Thessalonians are very fitting where he just basically talks about we don't grieve like those mm. who have no hope, right? We know that we'll, we'll go on and we'll see our loved ones again, those who knew Christ. Yeah. And um, so I just, I take those words to heart because we've all faced uh, our own losses here mm. at this table. And um, yeah, but I could never curse God and die because without him, there's there's no sense in me even going on. So for me, I just I turn to God, and that's the only way I can find comfort.
2: Yeah, that I think your point is well taken. That knowing we may not know um, God's plan right now in our lives, or, or or for specific individual bouts of suffering and bouts of trials, but you're right in that we do know the end game, Mm -hmm, right? We know where we're going. We know that there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth and God is gonna wipe away the tears. You know, it's going to be worth it. We have that promise that it's going to be worth it. Um, I also, you know, There's that movie coming, up, coming out about um, Abraham and Isaac and the sacrificing of Isaac that never actually happened. But I mean, that he went to sacrifice Isaac, right? And God stopped him. And it made me think about this idea of the patriarchs building altars and how in our lives, right, we don't build altars anymore, but we do, God brings us to places where we build testimonies of God's faithfulness that when we're, for me in my life, I found that when I'm going through a really difficult time, um, it's so helpful for me to go back in my memory to times where God has delivered me, where I know that God is real. So in my mind, those testimonies are like the altars of the patriarch. Think about Isaac long after Abraham is dead. Traveling back to that altar and offering a sacrifice on it, yeah. remembering mm. that it's God who provides. Think about Jacob going back to that altar, right? We can we have testimonies and we can go back to those and remember who God is and what he does. And and I think that goes a very long way mm. in in helping persevere. Yes.
0: Yeah, I would totally agree with you. Uh when we say this, and they only got like 20 seconds, but when we say this, nothing happens to us that God cannot heal. But I think what Ryan said is key, and what you mm-hmm. said is key, and what you said is key. Our life doesn't end. Mm-hmm. And this is a process. And so God is taking us through a process. So we need to learn through the loss, and through there are different kinds of loss. We need to learn through the losses and the gains and everything we go through so that we'll be ready for eternity. Mm-hmm. Your phone is a great thing, a smartphone. And let me tell you something. We have an application for you, Bible Discovery, and I want to encourage you to get it and use it. You can watch our program on it whenever you are. If you're at work and you have lunch and you want to watch it, that's great. Excellent. Go to Bible Discovery at the App Store. Go to Bible Discovery at your store where you buy all your things for your phone. and Download it. It's free of charge. Today, let's pray. Lord, help me to align my heart with you. I need to make my mind right with you, Lord, in Jesus' name.